0: From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Arellano. It's Thursday, March 14th. Today, Catherine Olmsted is a history professor at UC Davis at America's premier academic on the study of conspiracy theories. And, well, there's a lot of them out there right now thanks to the coronavirus. Wild allegations about how it started, shadowy claims about its spread, apocalyptic pronouncements about what is the end goal of COVID-19 really about. America is to blame. No, it's China. No, it's people who want to ruin President Donald Trump. No, it's actually people who want to keep Trump in power. Professor Olmsted says conspiracies are natural, especially during times of crises. But she worries that the Internet age has allowed so many conspiracies to spread and quickly, like, well, an epidemic.
1: Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you.
0: So, Catherine, there's a lot of conspiracies going around right now about coronavirus. Are you surprised that there's so many out there right now? Or in your expertise, are there actually even more to come?
1: Well, I think there's more to come. Uh, Whenever there's a frightening event, and this certainly qualifies as a frightening event, there are um, always lots of conspiracy theories about it. I think it helps people to have a a greater sense of control to come up with conspiracy theories about why it's happening and what they can do to stop it.
0: Yeah, it's almost like they're trying to take control of the narrative. Even if they think, oh, this conspiracy is going to destroy us all, at least in their minds, they're like, okay. even though we know it's big and out there, at least we know the quote-unquote truth.
1: Right, exactly. And it gives them a sense of of agency. And in, in many cases with conspiracy theories, it seems counterintuitive, but people would prefer to believe that there's this small group of plotters in charge than to believe that nobody's in charge, that this well, invisible enemy is threatening us. Why is that? I would defer to social psychologists there, and they've done lots of studies and, and believe that... It's a it's a human trait to want to know the truth, to have control over what seems to be an uncontrollable situation, and to find patterns instead of randomness and chaos. It makes you feel like you have a better control of your life and your destiny.
0: Describe the general genesis of a conspiracy theory.
1: Well, it depends. I mean, there's so many out there. So right now, for example, about the coronavirus, there's partisan conspiracy theories where people have uh, a political motive. Uh, There's anti-science conspiracy theories. There's anti-corporate conspiracy theories. There's xenophobic conspiracy theories. So in in each case, oftentimes there are scammers behind it who have a, a, a motive for earning money, or politicians who have a political advantage in spreading these or sometimes they're just cropping up on social media for people who who want to explain what seems to them otherwise to be an inexplicable situation.
0: Which are the, you know, there's, of course, so many different conspiracy theories. You talked on the general, uh, many of the genres of them. But which are the ones that tend to go, for lack of better term, viral?
1: Well, you know, it's really hard to know. I, I think it depends on whether they really resonate with specific fears that are, that are prevalent at the time. And then they can resonate with different groups. So some people might be more inclined to believe that the Chinese invented it to destroy the American economy, whereas there are other groups who prefer to believe that it's the Democratic Party or that it's some giant corporation, that it's big pharma that wants to make money on, on vaccines.
0: And what's interesting is that a lot of times you have dueling conspiracy theories. So some people say it was the Chinese who created it to destroy the American economy. Others say it's the Americans who created it to destroy the Chinese economy. Other people say it was done to uh, eradicate uh, people of color. Other people say people of color can't contract the coronavirus.
1: Right. So, yes, there are dueling conspiracy theories out there. And and surprisingly, sometimes people are able to uh, believe two contradictory ones at the same time or multiple contradictory ones at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, what, what is there a general profile to someone who believes in conspiracies? Because as you know, you just said it right there. And I have also, you know, just talking to some of my friends who are Latinos working class, they're espousing some of the same theories that I see on far right channels, even though they're, they themselves are more liberal to leftist. So it's like it's all over the place. But is there just a general profile? <laughs> Well,
1: in recent years, right-wing conspiracy theories have been more prevalent, but certainly the anti-vaxxer, big pharma conspiracy theories also appeal to people on the left. Some scholars have called this fusion paranoia, where instead of having a, a, you know, a straight line, a political spectrum, from left to right, actually, it sort of bends into a circle, and you have people at the at the ends of both uh, both ends of the political spectrum who believe the same theories.
0: At what point, though, do the conspiracy theories go from just fringe quackery or however people want to uh, dismiss them as into something that can become very, very dangerous?
1: well, I'm afraid we're already uh, entering that territory. The most dangerous ones are the ones that say that the virus is actually not that bad, that it's all a conspiracy, uh, say, against Trump or to destroy the American economy. And then people do things that are personally dangerous, like they don't wear masks or they go to mass gatherings or they, you know, aggressively shake hands with people. And uh, this could uh, obviously put all of us at risk, so it's, it's a misinformation pandemic as well as a, a viral one. This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content.
0: Catherine, how have you seen conspiracies evolve? I know it's only been really just a couple of months with coronavirus, but have you seen uh, them evolve in a certain way like in the past in American history?
1: Well, yes. I mean, a lot of the ones that we see now have have deep roots. So the xenophobic conspiracy theories that say that it was the Chinese or the Jews I mean, you have those sorts of xenophobic conspiracy theories that date back to when the first English colonists set foot on North American shores, where there are conspiracy theories about others, about Indians, about enslaved peoples, about Catholics, then in the 19th century about Mormons. Anti-corporate conspiracy theories, you can see those back to the 1890s with the populace, with the People's Party, who believed that the banks and the railroads were in a conspiracy, which was partly true, but also it it tended to have this sort of anti-Semitic flavor often. And then there's anti-science conspiracy theories, especially the last 50 years after the revelation of the Tuskegee uh, syphilis experiment, for example, and partisan conspiracy theories, uh, again, throughout American history. So in many ways, we're just seeing new versions of a very old phenomenon.
0: And then even something like technology conspiracies, a whole scandal about 5G supposedly spreading coronavirus. That's Technology is always something that people have been very skittish about.
1: Right, exactly. Whenever there's a new technology, um, people are afraid that it could change their lives in dangerous ways.
0: What are some of the conspiracies, at least in those genres, that... Haven't come out just yet with coronavirus, but you expect will pop up.
1: Oh, wow. I hadn't even thought about that. There seem like there's so many. I, (laughs) I, I haven't seen too much that it's a conspiracy by President Trump so that he can cancel the elections, but I imagine that one will become big.
0: Is there, I mean, obviously we're living in the present moment with something, a pandemic that we haven't, none of us have experienced in our lifetime. But in the past in American history, is there a moment where you're seeing the same sort of uh, array of conspiracies popping up the way we're seeing right now with coronavirus?
1: Well, I wouldn't say that I've ever seen anything like this before with a health crisis. But of course, we've never had a health crisis like this before. There were lots of conspiracy theories about intelligence failures in american history that lead to many deaths so pearl harbor and nine eleven being the the most prominent examples there as far as a virus you know we've never had anything this bad so we've never had so many conspiracy theories
0: so even during the 1918 spanish flu the last time we had an epidemic of this proportion there weren't that many conspiracy theories back then
1: Well, there were certainly, but it was much harder to spread them then. I mean, social media has just uh, made it exponentially easier for people to to spread these conspiracy theories. And also, of course, with technology enabling, um, you know, deep fake videos and that sort of thing, it's easier to fake evidence for your conspiracy theories.
0: With technology being the way it is now and disseminating so much information, is it more dangerous now than ever before when you have political leaders espousing conspiracy theories?
1: Oh, it's so dangerous. Um, We really need good leadership right now in order to help people seek out accurate information uh, to not only protect themselves, but all of us.
0: At the end, though, what's more dangerous? Is it from the bottom up, the conspiracy theory coming, uh, spreading across different folks or from the political leaders going down?
1: I think it's more dangerous when it comes from the political leaders because they have more influence and they have a bigger megaphone.
0: And, and how do these conspiracy theories get mainstream? In other words, you have the whole anti-vaxxer movement for a long time. People are just dismissing them. Um, oh, just a fringe movement here, here and there. But then they start getting more and more power. So how do these conspiracy theories gain that traction?
1: Well, I think there certainly seems to be a connection now with uh, the spread of social media, that in the past, conspiracy theories to be mainstream, they really had to be espoused by political leaders, by people in, in the mainstream media, and now with social media. And it enables people to bypass gatekeepers in the media and go directly, you know, peer-to-peer sharing of, of conspiracy theories. So I think that in part is why we're getting So many. And of course, it isn't helped by the fact that political leaders are also espousing
0: them. What do you think is the media's best approach to covering these? In other words, should the media be trying to disprove them? Should they completely ignore them? What should we do?
1: Well, no, I think you need to address them head on so that people have uh, someplace they can go to fact check, because otherwise it just allows the misinformation to spread.
0: What's the best way to combat them then?
1: Well, to, uh, have stories saying these, these conspiracy theories are out there and this is why they're not true. And here are links to reputable authorities, uh, scientists, health organizations that can help you understand the truth. Because otherwise, you know, these theories are just out there without any uh, countervailing arguments.
0: Yeah, there's always that uh, argument that you shouldn't roll with a pig in the mud. That you should just let the pig just go out there. But, I've, you know, I've always seen the opposite, that you do have to confront these things head on. Otherwise, that's when they start trumping you.
1: Right. And it is discouraging. But I find with my students, for example, that sometimes they've heard something and they're kind of sort of believing in it. But then if I give them, uh, you know, links to reputable websites and we talk it through that they can be convinced. I, I do believe that it is possible to talk people out of these very irrational and dangerous beliefs.
0: And to do that, do you suggest being sympathetic to where they're coming from, to just dropping a bunch of facts on them like an anvil? What would be the best approach? Well,
1: I think that it's important to acknowledge why they might believe these theories. I mean, that's that's what I've done a lot with my research. It's not just sort of demonize the people who believe in these conspiracy theories, but try and understand why. And so that you can come at it from that way, like, no, I understand that, you know, the U.S. government has lied in the past and that it has— uh, conducted programs that could be seen as abuses of power, and I totally understand where you're coming from. But here, let's look at Snopes.com. Let's look at PolitiFact. Let's look at some of these organizations that have these armies of reporters that are devoted to finding the truth. And let's let's look at whether the information that you have is actually correct.
0: And then finally, what what do you think is the most out there theory that you've heard so far about coronavirus? <sighs>
1: Well, I i suppose it would be the QAnon uh, conspiracy theories about how there's some sort of deep state Democratic Party Chinese government conspiracy to destroy President Trump. I mean, I don't even fully understand it myself. It's so, so wide ranging.
0: Yeah, it's all over the map. Thank you so much for this interview.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, Stories from the Front Lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave us a message. That's 213-986-5652 or email me, gustavo.arellano at letimes.com. This podcast was hosted by me, Gustavo Areano. Our producers are Paige Heimson and Stan Lee. Our senior producer is Rena Palta and our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin and our original music was composed by Andrew Epin. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Special gracias to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Schott. For the latest coronavirus stories by my LA Times colleagues, including an up-to-the-minute tracker of cases across California, don't forget to visit our website. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them stay connected and subscribe because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com slash support L.A. to subscribe. Stay safe and see you tomorrow.